Trigger warning. High functioning directly deals with the realities of mental illness and mental health issues. As a result, some listeners may find this content triggering. We encourage listeners to tune in and out in a way that feels safe for them and seek support if they need. If you are in crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest hospital. If you're in Canada, you can also call Crisis Services Canada at one 833 456 4566 or text 741 741. This episode contains candid discussions of depression, anxiety, suicide, privilege, dissociation, ADHD, professional and personal support systems, medication, therapy, and the struggles we've had coping with mental illness. I'm Britt. And I'm Amira. And this is High Functioning, a podcast about people who struggle with mental illness while still maintaining seemingly productive and successful lives. Right. We're basically trying to be as millennial as possible by starting our own podcast. And after this, we're actually going to go grab some avocado toast. And we're not buying a house, to be clear. (laughs) Because of the avocado toast. We have a new game. We do. We have a little game for you guys. We've been preparing it over the past uh, few episodes as we've been recording. It's actually a drinking game. Or if you don't want to drink alcohol, you can have some juice or some water. Or do push-ups. No. I don't know. You can make it like a workout activity. I hate this, but fine. To each their own. You choose. Okay. The point is, these are the rules of the game. We've noticed certain phrases that Britt and I say repeatedly And every time you hear it, you have to engage in your activity of choice. Your set activity. Yes. What are these phrases, Amira? Britt always says, on that note. (laughs) And on that note, what are your phrases? (laughs) I say really a lot. Not just really, but I use it more than once in a row. So I'll say really, really. Ah. Or very, very. So I think when I do the doubles, you can drink when I do the doubles. Sounds good. I did a presentation the other day and I realized I say essentially all the time. Essentially. Should we add that one? I don't know if I say it here, but yeah, if you hear me say essentially. Okay. Essentially is added. For me, it's also butter. Mm. Like butter. I think. Like butter on bread? Like butter. Yeah. Like butter. butter. Bread and butter. Anyway. Moving on. Today, we are talking about our experiences with therapy. Therapy. Amira, how many therapists have you had? I don't know the exact number, but I can guarantee it's a minimum of seven. Over how many years? That's hard. You're making me do a lot of math in this episode. Probably more than five. Yeah. Maybe closer to seven. All right. Interesting. Yeah. For me, I think it's five therapists over since I was 16. Okay. So eight years. Okay. Yeah. Five therapists over eight years. What are some of the reasons that you've switched therapists? Uh, Location. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That was a big one when I'm in a new place uh, because I've lived in Guelph. I've lived in England and I've lived in Toronto. So each time I've had a different therapist. Fit has been a big deal. And I'm sure we'll dive into that more as we keep talking about our experiences. And actually more than five now that I think about it. Five that I actively remember working with. Okay. A few that I would like start with and then be like, eh. Yeah, that doesn't count. It doesn't count, no. yeah. 
Uh, so fit, and then also uh, cost has been a thing. Sometimes I'm able to spend a bit, a bit more, sometimes I'm able to spend a bit less, uh, though we do have a disclaimer about that. Yes, we both recognize that we are extremely privileged to not only live in cities where we have access to therapists, there's not a shortage, but we also have ways to get the financial means to support therapy. That's not to say we haven't struggled with being able to afford therapy. We both have. We've both had to make sacrifices in order to afford therapy, but the extent to which we've had to sacrifice is far less than many other folks, especially marginalized folks. We also come from a socioeconomic background that encourages us to pursue therapy a little bit more as opposed to some other cultures or backgrounds where it's not okay to be in therapy. Um, So recognizing that inherent privilege we have, we want to talk about our experiences with therapy. You may have had different ones. Your friends may have had different ones. Your family may have had different ones. And please enjoy. Yeah. We hope we cover a vast amount of experiences because our experiences have been quite different between the two of us, which I think is pretty cool. But yeah, we really, everyone's experiences are going to be different. And I think that's part of why we storytell is to kind of see what our experiences are and see who we can relate to. And if you have other experiences, then uh, I think it'd be interesting to learn about those too. So yeah, yeah, let's dive in. Uh, I have some questions for you. All right. Fire them off. It's like a therapy session. (laughs) It's like therapy inception. And how do you feel about that? That's not what therapy is all about. No, it's not. I shouldn't make those stereotypes. Do not trust comic, like New York Times comics of like sitting on a couch. I don't even think my therapists have had couches. I've had one therapist with a couch, but it was a very uncomfortable couch. Did you lie down on it? No, God, no. Yeah, that's just weird. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I wanted to start with, do you dread going to therapy? Sometimes. Sometimes I do. If I'm feeling more disconnected from myself, I dread it. If I know I have something I really need to talk about, but I really don't want to talk about, I dread going to therapy. I've noticed that I, go, I usually go to therapy on Tuesday evenings. That's kind of my routine. And Tuesday afternoons, my anxiety skyrockets. Mm. And it's not necessarily that I don't want to go to therapy. It's just I don't know what's going to come up. Because sometimes a lot comes up and you're not expecting it. And sometimes nothing comes up and you leave kind of feeling a little bit weird. Like, maybe that wasn't productive or something so it's it's kind of a mixed bag of what you're going to experience in therapy that day do you think your dread is associated with the cost like productive having productive sessions oh yeah like the cost is x amount of dollars per minute and we waste like it was a waste of 60 minutes a little bit i think about that sometimes when i can't when i'm having trouble connecting in therapy and i go quiet for a little bit or i try to make a joke I realize, oh, I'm literally wasting money mm-hmm. and not getting like the full bang for my buck. So there's that pressure when I'm in therapy, not necessarily before therapy. Mm. But I do experience that after a session. I totally get that. I think uh, right now I'm really lucky to have a therapist that's free. And I do notice that I'm a lot less uh, nervous about what are like the productivity, quote unquote, of our sessions. And I think if any therapist is listening to this, they'd like facepalm at us wanting to be productive during our sessions because that's not the point you know the point is to create this safe space and work with a professional and create coping strategies and dive into trauma and you know whatever therapy is whatever it needs to be for you but productivity I don't think is what they would yeah you can't measure it you don't get a report card in therapy you don't get a good grade I'd like to believe that every therapist I've had I'm their favorite (laughs) I I feel like a lot of people think that no it's just me Amira it's just me (laughs) But the point is, is like, yeah, you, you, I don't necessarily dread therapy, but I do have a lot of thoughts afterwards around like, 
oh, was this productive? Was this right? And I find that when I have to pay for it, those thoughts are definitely um, heightened. And the way I've tried to mitigate it is just really remembering that it's it's just like a health thing. Like, mm-hmm. I know that money is going away for this health thing no matter what, regardless of whether the health thing is, like, super useful or super not. Like, I know that it's useful. It may not feel useful all the time, but I know that it's useful. And even just going and, like, sitting there and making that time where you're committing to yourself, even if committing to yourself that day is, like, really quiet, I think that's, like, a really good thing. At least for me, it has been. But it is really hard to get out of your head about therapy and productivity and all that. So. Yeah, sometimes I even experience a bit of that stigma coming up of am I really paying over $200 an hour just to talk about my feelings like is that really a good use of my money so I I experienced that a little bit where I'm like what am I doing here why am I doing therapy like what's the point but then I'm like oh no I really need therapy I, I really should go what was the switch or do you remember when you switched from like going to therapy because you had to like because it kind of I'm wording this incorrectly but I know that I didn't used to kind of I used to be more affected by stigma like I used to be like oh I'm only going to therapy right now because I have this thing that I need to deal with and once that thing is dealt with I'm going to be better and I won't need to go to therapy anymore and now I've transitioned to like no therapy is a is a part of my health routine like drinking water and taking vitamins and all those things that I'm really trying to enforce in my own health routine therapy is part of that health routine and it was definitely a transition to get there and I'm wondering if that's a transition you had as well Yes, but mine was a little bit more defined because one of the therapists I had was allocated by uh, the hospital that I was an inpatient at in BC after a suicide attempt. It was through a suicide follow-up program. So the therapist I had there was a set number of sessions and you had to attend these sessions and they would follow up. And if you missed a session, you, you really couldn't miss a session. It wasn't like now when you go to therapy, if you miss a session, it's okay, mm-hmm. come back next week. Uh, It was a very prescribed program to Mm -hmm. ensure my safety. So that was when it was something I had to do. Whereas now the therapist I have is more of maintenance and and let's explore different things or let's grow and and yeah, grow and evolve as opposed to let's let's heal this really Mm -hmm. big issue. It's interesting that even though it's a choice that you're making actively to go, that we can still dread it. Yeah. I think for me, I personally don't dread therapy because I love to talk about myself. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Believe it or not. Would not have guessed <laughs> as we record a podcast exclusively about ourselves. I know. It's great. I love it. Uh, but I think honestly, that's it. Like, I don't, I don't dread therapy because I feel, you know what it is, is that I don't think anything is going to come up that I can't control. Okay. And then I get surprised but for some reason I just never remember that things may happen that make me leave feeling icky Mm -hmm. you know like I I forget about that part and I'm like la-di-da I'm just going to therapy like if anything I'm like oh I'm kind of dreading it because I have so much work to do and this is an hour of my time and like whatever and then I have to remind myself no no this is something you prioritized but then yeah I'm like let's just go talk about things and I sit down and then we talk about things and the next thing you know I'm like a mess and I can't function for the rest of the day yeah I shouldn't remember this because if I if my body's doing a good job of making me forget it now and get my butt into that therapist's office the more I remember it, probably the more I'm gonna dread it <laughs> but right now I think also I'm not necessarily diving into as much trauma so maybe that's why but also I think 
like I hope for anyone's listening like you can tell we're we're actively figuring this out for ourselves yeah too. we have no idea what's coming out of our mouth in the next sentence no so no we really don't we're just trying to explore our own experiences and hopefully that's beneficial to somebody but I think that um I used to have really crappy experiences with therapy and it didn't help and it was forced and it was something I absolutely dreaded because I didn't get anything from it. I think since transitioning to, you know, going for a specific reason, I think my journey was kind of like, I started going to therapy because it was forced as part of my parents' divorce. The court ordered therapy. That sentence, court ordered therapy, is just like, it makes my skin crawl. Like, Mm -hmm. I get the intentions, but the way that it was done, was at least for our circumstance, and I've heard of others like this, it just wasn't done in a very safe way for us because we knew that anything we said to the therapist could then come out in court, in court yeah. and be used against us or be used against my mom. Um, and that was something that I really didn't want, so I was faking it in the therapy session so I wasn't getting any use out of them, and it was just a mess. It was an absolute mess. That doesn't really sound like true therapy. It's supposed to be a safe space where... You can say everything. I mean, holding to the fact that they have responsibilities to inform authorities if there's, like, abuse happening or breaking the law or things like that. But otherwise, you're supposed to be free to say what you think and feel. Exactly. So every time I saw them making notes in the therapy sessions, like, I would just kind of tense up because I'm like, well, how are they interpreting this, right? Whereas therapy in itself should not be about how a therapist is interpreting it. They're not meant to, like, interpret and give judgment to what you say. The whole point of it is it's a judgment-free zone, which I really do respect. So I think that experience with therapy like really made it difficult to see therapy as beneficial. But then I was kind of at this point where, you know, I wasn't getting work done because my anxiety was so bad. I thought everyone at the bus was staring at me, like things that were just so uncomfortable that I knew I had to do something. And so that's when I went to therapy on my own accord, thinking it would just be, oh, until the anxiety went away. And then the anxiety, those specific instances of anxiety went away. And I remember it was like, I took a summer course and I had to finish an essay for it. And I just could not write that essay. I couldn't open it up. I couldn't look at like the changes to it of like with the red Google or whatever, the Microsoft Word like changes, reviews. I could not do it without bawling. And it felt so uncomfortable and so not normal, quote unquote. Like I know everyone's normal is different, but for me... That was not me to not be able to take, like, any feedback. Like, I hate feedback, but, like, that was just beyond. So I deferred the course. And then I remember writing it again or writing that that final essay again in December. And it was just, like, boom, boom, boom. Easy. Right, right, right. Because I was in such a better place. And it was, like, that September, like, after that summer that I went into, like, more intense therapy Mm -hmm. um, on my own accord because I knew something was up. And I just couldn't keep living in that way where I couldn't get my work done. Like, that just was not an option. Hashtag high-functioning. So, yeah, I remember that difference, and then I forget where I was going with this. I think it was just that when you found a therapist that actually fit with you, it made it a lot better, and it wasn't... The reason for you going to therapy was on your own accord, as Mm -hmm. opposed to something that was forced, so that made it a bit more effective for you. And I think also, yeah, the dread, that's that's what I was thinking about as well, is like, once I saw that experience of, like, what therapy did for me in those four months... And everyone's experiences are different, like we keep saying, but for me, it made a massive difference. And it was so clear, like I could not write that essay in August. And then in December, I wrote it and I got a 90 on it. Like, that's just like, I just, it's such a clear difference. Mm -hmm. It makes it easier for me not to dread therapy because I'm like, okay, cool, I'm fixing myself because I can't do this thing right now and I'll be able to do it. Or like, I'm having this pattern of thought and I'll be able to change it. And I just feel so confident in what therapy can give to me because I've been so lucky 
to have good fits in, in the last few years at least. Yeah, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about fit and finding the right therapist for you. I've had, like I said, over seven therapists, but I've tried way more than that. There's definitely been a few that haven't been able to work for me for a number of reasons. One, I have a serious history with suicidal ideation and suicide attempts. Not all therapists are able to deal with that. So that's a conversation I had to have with them at the beginning. I also deal with conversion disorder, which some therapists don't know about, so they're not well-versed in how to handle that. It was really important for me to find a therapist that had experiences dealing with somatic symptoms or um, physically expressed trauma because she could help me through that or they could help me through that rather. So when it comes to fit and finding the right fit, I think some people get deterred from going to therapy because they have a bad experience with one or they don't find find a good fit right off the bat. So they kind of are like, okay, therapy's not for me. And that happened to me. My first therapist, her answer to everything was just to try deep breathing. And I hated her so much. And I remember telling a friend about it. A friend of mine is a therapist, uh, a clinical counselor, psychologist. I should really know that. She's one of my good friends. You fail. Sorry. But I was telling her about this experience and she was like, that is not what therapy is supposed to be. That was just not a good fit for you. That wasn't a right experience. And she made me think maybe there was a better therapist out there for me. So then I was able to find some really great therapists. I had to switch therapists when I was moving city, so location was a factor. And it was hard to give up a good therapist. It's hard to give up a good fit Mm -hmm. because you have a very strong therapeutic relationship with this person. And to have to leave that and change that can be a difficult experience to go through when you're not ready. Mm I was lucky I found another great therapist and now I love therapy and it's great but finding a good fit is really important also finding someone who can can do the type of therapy that works best for you so CBT clinic or cognitive behavioral therapy Mm -hmm. is a really common form of therapy that a lot of people go through it did not work at all for me it was extremely ineffective So I had to find out what types of other therapies would work for me. So interpersonal therapy or emotion-focused therapy. Mm -hmm. There's lots of different kinds of therapies. Like there's not just one size fits all. It's not lying on a couch and going through psychoanalysis or things like that. There are different therapists that do different kinds of therapy. Some may work for you, some won't work for you. But just finding what does work for you and trying to pursue that a little bit more is really helpful. I think you had a slip of the tongue where you said, oh, she, I mean, or they. And I think that's interesting because in fit, I think it's okay to ask for the, well, within reason, but for the identity that you're looking for or that can relate best to you. Um, For me, particularly, being with a woman feels a lot better because a lot of the therapy, a lot of the trauma that I dive into has to do with, um, like, abuse and, uh, like, relationships and being a woman in a relationship that has a power imbalance and things like that so it's feels a little it's almost like it gets over a bit of a hump of trust already when you just assume that they have similar experiences because they are to a woman you know and maybe maybe they don't have those experiences but it it internally kind of feels a little bit safer and I know that for you having someone who understands your experiences I mean it's very important but how have you experienced that yeah I also prefer having a female therapist but I also I prefer having a female doctor and a mm-hmm. female massage therapist and a female therapist. It's not necessarily just in therapy. The reason I made that distinction is 
there are male therapists and they're really good in their own rights and we sort of think of therapy as this white woman's profession Mm -hmm. Uh, so I kind of wanted to make that distinction because there are a lot more than just white women therapists Mm -hmm. which is important to know there a majority of them are white females but you you can find someone that's not a white female if that's not what you're looking for Mm -hmm. and I think in that too uh, it whatever the identity is of your therapist whether you want it to be a specific identity or not your therapist should understand the context in which you struggle for instance for me when I was seeing a therapist when I lived in England uh, she was not very good at understanding the context of my very Eastern European family and so when I would explain how my family would treat me and what that would make me feel her answer was kind of like oh well just like ignore it and that's just not an option and if she had had or if she put more of an effort into learning about the context within which uh, I was struggling I think it would have been much more effective for me because some of the solutions are not solutions therapists don't give you solutions but some of the ways that she was guiding my thought processes I knew deep down weren't actually effective for the life that I lead totally I've experienced that as well I've experienced it on two accounts where one a therapist wasn't able to connect with my LGBTQ identity and wasn't able to understand the gravity of that difficulty in coming out and coming to terms with my identity and on the on the other side of that uh, I am dealing with this with my current therapist a little bit but even previous therapists just in terms of do they understand my religious identity and I struggle a lot with my religious identity so I don't know how a therapist would be able to understand it when I myself don't really understand it but to go through something where I'm struggling with my religion some of the tools or suggestions for my therapist didn't work as well because they just weren't viable. They weren't feasible. They didn't fit. But she would have no way of understanding that because she doesn't have that context. She Mm -hmm. doesn't have that knowledge base. So there's a lot of time being spent trying to educate a little bit so that we can work through it. Another option would be to find a different therapist, but I don't want to do that because overall we have a great fit. So it's worth a few of those extra minutes. Mm -hmm. I think it's, if any therapists are listening to this as well, I, I think it's important, at least from a customer perspective or client, pers- patient, whatever we are, um, that you work within the realms of your patient. And like, it sounds so obvious, but it doesn't always happen. Like, like Amira mentioned, we have, there's so many different types of therapy, like CBT, EFT, like, et cetera, et cetera. Beyond, like, I've ever had therapists who just like swear by one method for everybody like nothing is one size fits all like that's so ridiculous yeah i think especially medicine we are moving towards the ability to have very personalized medicine i consider like therapy part of medicine and healthcare. and so if we are if all this research shows that like a personalized approach is what works best like you you just have to do it like i just don't understand therapists who are like and breathe when we've told them multiple times that that's not how we deal with our anxieties yeah I think it comes down to what they know and what they're best at and that's why sometimes you have to switch therapists because they may specialize in a specific type of therapy and if it doesn't work they may not be the right the right therapist for you I think I really liked my last therapist because she did a great job of um being mindful of my constraints and like what I was willing where I was willing to go with my therapy and where I wasn't the therapy that she practiced was EFT, so emotion focused therapy, which I'd never heard of before. Uh, CBT also doesn't work for me for whatever reason, but EFT was really interesting. It was really about like 
being aware of my emotions as they come up and she was really aware of them for me so she would be able to be like oh like I see that you you were about to cry but you stopped yourself like let's dive into that a little bit more Mm -hmm. and I'd be like ah hell no thank you I would like to leave now because I was just telling you a story and I thought therapy was just me telling stories and she's like no 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 backtrack we're gonna dive into why you might cry Ugh, it makes me so it's Yeah, I had one and she would always say, what's coming up for you right now? Or, or, or there's something there. What is that? Like, stop. Why do you see me? Yeah, why do you <laughs> see me? Why can't you just let me fake it? Yeah, therapy's hard work. Therapy is actually such hard work. Yeah. One of, so this therapist, one of the strategies she worked with me on was like this chair work, which is like pretty common in EFT of... Um, I think we mentioned it before while we've been taping, but you sit in one chair and then you pretend someone else is sitting in another and you kind of go through what you would say to them and see what comes up and deal with kind of your emotions as as you're going. And I hate chair work. I hate it so much. It makes me so uncomfortable. And she really worked with me on that. Like she was like, you know what, let's try it. And like was really kind of mindful of the fact that I like to be this very put together person and I like to present myself a certain way and sitting in a chair and talking to people that I've kind of, for lack of better words, like just to be kind of like relevant to context, like people I've canceled in my life. And like canceling is not, you know, we've talked about this too. Like cancel culture is canceled. Like we're figuring out how there's problems with just being like, bye Felicia. Like that's not how it works. People who have been in your life that you have canceled have likely affected you in many ways that you need to keep revisiting. And I needed to do that. And it was just so uncomfortable that I would cringe and I would just feel like I was moving away from who I wanted to be in a way that didn't feel safe for me. And so she really worked with me to become more comfortable in the chair work and also was very open to when I was like, nope can't do this right now let's do something else and like would let me would let me do something else and I know not all therapists are great at that flexibility and so I really respected her for that flexibility and it made a massive difference in then being able to you know she's gone on mat leave which was very sad but you know she's allowed to have a life yeah she went on mat leave but even as she left I find now that my skills in noticing my own feelings are my own emotions are so much better and at diving into them and kind of exploring them a bit more And also that chair work gave me this one really interesting skill where um, when I'm really struggling with being triggered from things in my past, she would say, you know, visit your 12 year old self. And I'd be like, you cray, that's weird. I don't like that. But as we worked through that more and more, it became something that actually worked where I could like go back in time almost and like, what would I as my 24 year old self say to my 12 year old self to comfort and to heal and kind of rewrite that narrative, mm-hmm. which is what we've talked about before too. And I just found that really special. And now it's actually a strategy that I use, which and it's so weird to me because when she started it, I was like, "You're crazy. This isn't gonna work." Uh, bye. I don't know. So uncomfortable. But it's really made like a massive difference. Yeah, I think it's important in therapy to have a therapist that understands when to push you and when to let you draw your own limits and draw your own boundaries. My therapist is really good at letting me dictate when when enough is enough or sort of picking up on when something's enough because I don't always feel comfortable saying, I don't want to do this. So she'll pull back when she notices me retreating a little bit or getting a little bit more upset or something like that. But she will also push me. She'll she'll say, I know this sounds hokey. Give it one try yeah. and we'll see. Like just Just give it a shot. Just try it. And so we have this relationship where it's flexible and it's dynamic. And we can find what works for me while still using some of the tools that she knows are going to be really effective that I might be a little bit more resistant to. 
it comes down to what each person needs. There are some people that thrive a lot more on tough love or someone that pushes them a lot more. I need the exact opposite. I need more nurturing and a lot, a much softer approach. So if you say, we're going to do this, you got to try it, you got to do it, just suck it up and do it. That's not going to work for me. If it's, okay, we can maybe try this if you want, do it for five seconds, just see if, see if it's okay. If it's not okay, we can stop. Just having that flexibility is, is when I'm able to say, okay, no, I, I can do this and I'm going to push myself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. A therapist's ability to pick up on that and how to um, approach someone, how to make them feel safe and comfortable while still pushing them is really important. I think it's interesting because we've covered, I think that's another thing I always say. I think it's interesting. You say I think a lot. Apparently women are like more guilty of saying I think rather than just knowing something. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I've read research about that as well. It's so classic that we don't just go for it. Classic. I am going back in time now and saying it is interesting (laughs) that we've covered all these different ways that therapy has helped us. And there's both strategies that we take into our everyday lives and coping mechanisms, but there's also just talking and talking it out. And I think that there's misconceptions about what therapy actually is. And my answer to those misconceptions would be, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's what you make of it. Exactly. Yeah. It's what you make of it. It's what you need in that moment. And it's also the relationship that you have with your therapist. But yeah, sometimes, especially with the therapy I'm doing now, which is a lot focused, a lot more focused on maintenance, it is just coming in, talking about the last week, how it's gone, what I liked, what I disliked, how I want to work on it a bit more, and then going on my merry way. Whereas like my last therapist was a lot more focused on strategies, coping mechanisms, etc. And so it's interesting, yeah, because I think a lot of people think, oh, you just talk to someone for an hour, which you do. And then some people think like, oh, they just tell you, well, every time you think this, think something else which is sometimes they do, but really it is all of the above. Do you have any other things that you think people have really big misconceptions on when it comes to therapy that you would want to shake that up on? That was a really weird way to ask that question. but Those are probably the most common misconceptions is that it's, it's either one thing or another. I think the way that therapy is portrayed in movies is just so false. Mm-hmm. That's not how therapy is therapy can kind of be fun sometimes like my therapist and i will will go through the best memes i found if, if, if i'm a couple minutes early she'll be like all right what'd you find on twitter this week or there's this trend right now of you know therapist and what do we do when we feel this way and then me saying that's showbiz baby and then therapist just like no mm-hmm. and so we've gone through a few of those and made jokes about it and it it lightens the mood a little bit so it's not just what you see in some movies of someone sitting on a couch bawling their eyes out for an hour it can be fun and you can joke around depending on the type of relationship you have with your therapist do you always cry when you go to therapy no because i genu- generally don't cry that much especially in front of other people i don't feel safe doing that i've cried three or four times maybe in the past year and a half with this therapist, when I first started going to therapy way back when I didn't even know what I was experiencing, I cried a lot more. Not fully cried, but just like, I would just tear up a bit. And when, I, I, when I'm crying, I can't speak. It's not like I'm bawling and wailing. It's just, I lose my voice entirely. And 
I can't really move through that or, or like, like we said earlier, be productive. Mm. Uh, I can't really articulate what I'm feeling. I sort of shut down a bit more. So it's almost therapy is a bit more effective when I'm not crying because I can identify words and my brain is not shut down. That's so interesting. I think for me, therapy is more effective when I am crying because then I can kind of, I've opened up the floodgates so I can dive deeper um, if I need to, which I usually do because I just start crying and I'm like, why am I crying? Which is why EFT has worked so well for me. That's literally what EFT is. I'm wondering, um, has your therapist assigned you homework? Yes. What does that look like? Sometimes it's at the beginning it was trying to do mindfulness activities. So using apps like Headspace or Calm to try mindfulness. Then there was every time I feel an emotion, I had to like write it down and track it. So it was, what is the emotion? What is the physical sensation? What is the situation? And create like a tracking log. Sometimes it's less formalized where it's just try to incorporate this a little bit more or try to see what comes up for you when you experience this next time. A lot of uh, taking inventory and taking notes on what's happening and what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing. That's most of what the homework ends up being. How does it look for you? My therapy is usually, very, my homework therapy, therapy homework, is usually pretty like high level, like just try and think about this mm-hmm. this week or yeah. try and focus on this this week. I know some therapists like to get a little bit more technical. I think for me that wouldn't work so well because I can complete the homework and then go check mark. And then kind of let it be and and forget that the reason I'm doing it is because it's meant to integrate. So for me, the homework of we'll try and every time you think of this this week, try and think of this associated with it, like create that conditioning. That's a bit more feasible for what works for me. But I do know people who strive off of the like beginning of the week, they'll do their homework or like whatever, they'll track it, they'll write down whatever they need to write down. And then it's easier for them to go back and really analyze that data and go forward with it. And I think that, yeah, that just goes back to like, teach their own like these are our experiences and we've had different experiences similar experiences but yeah really to each their own and experiences has just been added to the drinking and or working out and or whatever game because we have said that word yeah we really have maybe it shouldn't be because that's just it'd be too many times true but if you're doing push-ups damn (laughs) yeah go get some water you earned it (laughs) uh what's next on the big list of brit's questions Honestly, I think we covered most of it, Um, but I would ask, well, we've covered faking it for your therapist very briefly, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if you want to dive into that a bit more and kind of close up with what that looks like. Yeah. My therapist always knows when I'm trying to fake it with her, so she picks up on it pretty well. There's actually been a couple times where she hasn't picked up on it, and we've talked about it in the next session. Because I'll say, oh, well, last week I wasn't feeling great or I was upset. And she was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, I just I wasn't in a good spot. And she apologized. She said, I'm sorry, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, I'll try to be more mindful of that and pick up on it next time. I think she also recognizes, though, that sometimes when I am faking it, it's because I'm not feeling safe. So there was one time where she did offer, you know, do you want to stop? Do you want to end today's session and just go home if you're not feeling in a place where you can get what you need to get out of this session? And I didn't leave, but I really appreciated that that option was there, that Mm -hmm. the option for me to just leave if I needed to was there. Because sometimes I know I just I won't be able to connect with a lot of things in therapy today. And I know it's going to be a bit of a waste of money. So having that option is nice. And I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, I totally understand that. 
I think I fake it sometimes, um, but then I have to really remind myself just how much benefit this is to me. And if I can't get over the faking it, like if the faking is because I don't feel safe, that's one thing. If the faking it is just because I want to be this perfect person today who doesn't need therapy, like everyone needs therapy. So Yeah, everyone really should go to therapy. Everyone needs therapy. So if that's where that faking it is coming from, I really try and challenge myself because I know that that's not effective in that moment. And I'm not, you know, broken or small or stupid for not being a perfect person. And if anything now, I really think going to therapy is part of my perfection because I'm able to recognize when I need help and able to actively work on it with with a professional. And I think that like that has is changed my definition of perfection so much. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have these amazing sessions where I don't think I'm faking it. Like I'll be faking it so hard that I won't know that I'm faking it. And so I'll go into therapy being like, today's great. Like I'm feeling great. We're going to have a great session. It's going to be light and fun. And I come out of that session and I've cried or it's been really intense. I'm like, whoa, there was something there. Whoa. <laughs> uh, and, and she's really good at picking up on that. And that's when I'm like, yeah, I need to be in therapy. I made a good call. I came to therapy. So sometimes the most effective sessions you'll have are actually when you're feeling a bit more okay. Yeah. Because you're able to connect with things a little bit more. That safety element is fulfilled. You feel safe. You feel calm. And you can dive a little deeper. And next thing you know, you're bawling. Yeah. Or whatever that looks like. For me, I'm bawling. But whatever that reaction yeah. looks like. Yeah. Um, any... There's a thought that I had that has now left my brain. Oh, do you think everyone should go to therapy? I do. I also feel like the, sometimes I have to go to therapy because people in my life don't go to therapy. Yes. Uh, that's so annoying. There's like memes that go around and it's like... Um, it's like, haha, that's funny. But also I spend $1,000 a month dealing with your shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, that's not to say like, I love the people around me. I really do. Like you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. And that is so real and so sad. Like I just want to change everybody to fit all my needs. But you can't <laughs> do that. So then how do you learn that balance of like... You're not going to change yourself completely because that's unsafe for you. And also, you know, you have your own personality and you are who you are. But how do you change maybe your outlook or whatever to deal with the people in your life that you want to keep in your life but are somewhat difficult to deal with? Yeah, it's again, it goes back to creating strategies that work for you. And there are so many times when I'll see someone, I'll be like, oh, sweetie, I can tell exactly what's going on. I dealt with this in therapy like two months ago. And I really wish therapy was more accessible for more people, not just financially, not just geographically, but also from a stigma reduction point mm-hmm. of view, that it wasn't seen as this weird thing we do. I think therapy's awesome. I think we've made huge strides in seeing therapy as more of a regular, normal thing. But I will say that it's still very based in women, particularly white mm-hmm. women, And when you look at the rest of the people in the world, which are majority of people, and how their stigma is still affecting them, it's really sad. It has really detrimental effects. Um, In my experiences, I think the men in my life really need to open up to therapy in general. There's just so much stigma around what it looks like and why men shouldn't go to therapy. That's been my experiences. And older generations, my mom had a much harder time going to therapy than I have. I'm really happy, you know, you see the meme now of, like, um, millennials, like, guys, guess what I learned in therapy today, versus, like, baby movers or whatever, who are like, did you hear she went to therapy? Like, that's so real, and I'm so grateful and I for that, and I'm also 
I feel like we've really helped make that happen. Like we've really forced ourselves to talk about it and forced ourselves to be vulnerable and open about it and go to these things. But those memes really do target us as women. Yeah. Um, at least in my experiences, that's what I've seen. And yeah, I really wish that we can keep pushing that momentum forward and just create a space where literally anyone not only feels like they can access therapy, but has the means to access therapy. And there's therapists who are properly trained to deal with the vast variety of issues that may come into play or may come up when all the population in some way or another is seeking out therapy. Yeah. The final thing I want to say is we have this misconception that you go to therapy to deal with something that's gone wrong. And then maybe after that thing is dealt with, you don't need to go anymore. But I really want to normalize continuing therapy for maintenance or people who don't necessarily have one specific issue. They're just going to therapy. You don't necessarily need a big reason to go to therapy. Maybe it's to learn more about yourself or to learn more about your partner or even just about other people. I've learned a lot about myself and how I think, but I've also learned a lot about how other people think. And that helps me connect to them a bit more. It helps me understand them and it helps me be a better friend or sister or daughter or whatever it might or be employee. or employee helps you be better in the workplace workplace relationships of all kinds i don't mean that in a romantic way they're really hard uh, workplace dynamics are really really hard and in the past it's very much been you know you go to work and you shut your mouth and you come home you take it out on your family and like no one benefits mm-hmm. um except the really rich people on top yeah know? there's a lot more emphasis on having emotional intelligence in the workplace now and that I've learned a lot of my emotional intelligence, maybe even all of it, from therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, on that note, <laughs> on that note, we will wrap up. But a comparison is like massage therapy, physiotherapy. Sometimes you go to physiotherapy because you've ripped something and you need to actively go, and you're going on a regular basis for however long until it feels better. But still, it may feel better. But you know, when the moon is in a certain position, you still feel creaky and whatever, and you still need to every once in a while go back to physio or you get regular massages massage therapy to continue maintenance of that you know weird not weird the injury or whatever it is yeah it's like a car you get a tune-up exactly but some people just go for massages because it feels good and it relaxes your body and you've been tense because you're work like you don't need to have something broken or ripped in order to go for a massage yeah so maybe the thing is when you get your next physical checkup like you get your physical done maybe think about getting a mental check-in done too Exactly. To us, it's become really normal, but we recognize that it's not normal. And it's a, it can be a really weird thing. And we just hope that in talking about it more and being honest and open about our experiences, both good and bad, that it'll encourage anyone to access this help and uh, hopefully encourage people who have power to create, to make this help more accessible, to do so. Because we need it. And it, it will make a big difference in the world overall. I really do believe that. Perfect. That's it for me. Anything for you? I think I'm good. All right. Thanks for tuning in. This has been High Functioning. Hey, everyone. It's Britt. Uh, My roommate made a great observation last week, calling you out, Shelby, that these weekly wrap-ups are kind of like an insight into my anxious thoughts. Last week was really vulnerable, so I think you could tell in my little um, spiel at the end that I was definitely feeling some anxiety around sharing that kind of information and putting this out there and also just that fear of not doing as well with the second episode as we did with the first. Uh, I'm feeling a lot less anxious about this episode 
And so I'm going to try to avoid that rambling. And I think a reason I feel a lot less anxious is because I, I really do talk about therapy all the time. It wasn't always the case. Uh, we don't really talk about this in the episode of when we personally felt stigma. But even just a few years ago, I still felt uncomfortable telling my roommates when I was going to therapy appointments, uh, even though they knew that I was going to therapy. But something about actually telling them that today I went to an appointment still felt uncomfortable. And now I'm much more open about it. I talk about it a lot more openly. I very clear about days that I'm going to therapy and what I talked about today and all that. And, and that's been a huge growth. I want to end up this episode by saying that I understand going to therapy is hard. There are so many barriers. But if you have the means to go, if you have the access to therapists, if you have the financial means, whatever that may be, I urge you to challenge your stigma. Stigma is so real and it's so legitimate and that voice in your head that tells you you don't need therapy or therapy's for crazy people or whatever it may tell you that's stopping you from trying this out. That voice is really debilitating. But therapy is just another method of self-improvement. And if the only real barrier that you have is that voice in your head, challenge it. Try to challenge it. Talk to someone. Talk to someone who's gone to therapy. Start to look at people who are going to therapy differently, like not as crazy people, but as people just like you or different from you or, or whatever it is that makes you start to break down that stigma. Going to therapy isn't easy and maybe it's not for everyone, but I think that everyone should try it in the same way that we're open to self-improvement in our jobs or in our physical life, physical health, um, and even cutting our hair, making it a different length. This is just another one of those things, and there's no harm in trying it out. And if you're questioning why you should even be thinking about self-improvement, I'll end with this. I truly, truly believe that everyone deserves to live their best life. Sometimes when we're in really dark places, we forget that we deserve that. We forget that there is better out there. But there is, and that better looks different for everybody. But it is out there, and we all deserve to feel it. So whatever it is, the whatever way you get to that better, I hope you get there. And I hope that you explore therapy as an option as well, if it's available to you. And if it's not, I hope that we continue talking and putting pressure on the systems that can make therapy more accessible and all kinds of different treatment options more accessible to everyone out there. And I'm not just saying everyone who needs it, but truly everyone out there. I guess that's it for me. I'll see you next episode.